0: episode of reclaiming the garden yes. Yes. i wanted
1: to thank i want to thank april for pointing this out to me yesterday <laughs> if i recall Yes,
0: which is so i keep exciting. count of the yeah numbers of the episodes and stuff because i upload them and yeah and that means we've spent like over a hundred hours on video call together <laughs> <laughs> and <fishing laughs> around and talking about jesus yes um, and if
1: you've been listening whether you've been listening from the beginning or this is the first episode you're tuning tuning into we are so happy to have you here um, and yeah, for people that have been on this journey, thank you for
0: joining us, um,
1: again, for hundreds of hours of, co- of um, content.
0: Yeah. Um, and so today we have for you an interview with Karen from the Reclaim Therapy Collective. So it's a very, a reclaim extravaganza over here. <laughs>
1: exactly. And again, um, this month, May is considered Mental Health Awareness Month. So we thought, why not have someone who works in the mental health field on the show for this month?
0: Yeah. And it was just so cool to see her upbringing and the ways that she like, has sort of realized to reconnect with herself. And now that she's helping other people who have been through adverse religious experiences yeah. find healing. And that's so beautiful. We love to see Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
1: And as someone who wants to also work specifically in that mental health type of field, which is working with people who are by religious trauma, it's cool to see someone out there actually doing the thing. Because um, we will talk as the podcast goes on about the lack of research and lack of Mm, resources uh out there for people who are deconstructing that sort of way. So yeah, this was an awesome interview. I loved it. So Karen Huckabee is a human Enneagram five wing Four INTJ Aries Gryffindor and HSP empath and by trade, a professional secret keeper therapist and other such nonsense. (laughs) I love that. As a therapist, (laughs) she works with young adults and individuals who are sorting out their identity new job, college, or life experiences, or changes in relationship or religious beliefs. Most of her clients are dealing with adverse religious experiences, religious-slash-spiritual trauma and abuse, grief and loss, and overall trauma and CPTSD. When Karen is not wearing her therapist hat, she spends most of her time adventuring with her partner and toddler. She loves being near animals, nature, and absorbing copious amounts of podcasts, various forms of art, stand-up comedy, and finding new local restaurants. So, Karen, we are so excited
0: to have you on today. And uh, you're a five-wing four. I'm a four-wing five, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of intersection there. Yes.
2: (laughs) in good company
1: (laughs) absolutely um and then just for a background um i had the opportunity to meet karen as well as the other founders of the reclaim therapy collective at the q worship weekend that happened last august oh my gosh it's been almost a year and it's (gasps) gonna be happening
0: this year too (laughs) it's gonna be
1: happening again this year in Mm -hmm. it's in texas right Mm -hmm. yeah I i think so cool yeah so um we're very excited to have you on um, we thought it was perfect because it is Mental Health Awareness Month to have someone who does work in the mental health field, and in a way, uh, Reclaim Therapy, Reclaiming the Garden, this is a reclamation collaboration, if you will. So we're very excited yeah. that you're here. Thank you.
2: I'm so excited to
1: be here, you guys. There's just so many things to reclaim, you know?
0: They're just, yes. There's just a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. We can reclaim goodness and throw out all the bad shit, so. <laughs> exactly please. Um, Usually just, uh, while when, always embracing mental health. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. with the mention of uh, bad shit, tell us about your faith background.
2: <laughs> well, where to begin? Um. Yeah, my goodness. Okay, so I was like, I genuinely don't know where to start with that. But I was like, I think I need to start. I was like, this is going to be like one of those things in the movies where they're like, it all started when I was born in 19, whatever. Um, but so I think where it is helpful to begin is, I. it was interesting that you guys asked this question, even though it's a very simple one. Um, my parents started going to the church I was raised in, I think in like the late 70s. And then they were married in that church in 1980. I came along in 1980 or something. and they are still going to that church today. So I do not. Um, But that's where we all, where it all started. Um, So it's currently the church I grew up in that they still attend is an evangelical free church, which people like to say that like, Oh, evangelical free is different than an EV, like an EV church or whatever. But like, I always think it's funny because it's like, the free means nothing. Like, just
0: yeah. Nothing.
2: <laughs> you don't have free. Do they also well, like to say like don't... they're
0: not a denomination. Cause I also know of some churches that are like that too. A hundred percent. And it's like, no, you're still part of a larger
2: denomination, but the free sometimes like somehow made it seem like it was more palatable for people. Like, I, guess. Yeah. I Which
1: also sounds a little bit weird. It's like, we're a free evangelical church. We have no oversight, which just sounds a little bit terrifying. <laughs> Okay. But
2: which was confusing because they did though. And I, so I don't, to this day, I still don't know how it qualified as an evangelical free church or still Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not called what they used to be, but it's still the same, whatever. Um, It has the same denominational oversight, which I was just like, I thought that was the whole point of like deviating away, but you didn't. And you're still, there's still old white men in charge. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> weird. Um so yeah, I grew up there. I uh gosh, I started in Awana when I was 3. Oh, okay. Um, and then was in Awana till I was 12. Um I wrote a couple things down cuz I was like I'm going to forget all the things. <laughs> um I grew up in the car listening to Focus on the Family cuz my mom had that mm-hmm. on all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um I read all the Left Behind books, so Rapture trauma there.
1: Ayo, Um, were you an Adventures and Odyssey fan?
0: I had an Adventures and Odyssey Bible. Oh, Oh, what's interesting is that, um, yeah, sometimes on the way back from youth group, my mom would be listening to Focus on the Family, and then like I'd hear the end of the Adventures and Odyssey story or whatever.
2: (laughs) You're like, could we just be listening to that? Because that's a little bit more exciting. But
1: yeah, I know James Dobson's boring. (laughs) Bring on Adventures and Odyssey.
2: Literally, though. Yeah, no, it was. I didn't hate adventures in odyssey as a kid. It was kind of like at least I get to read some comics, kind of like <laughs> whatever cuz like we couldn't They're watch anything belief. or read anything. So it was like, look, comics now it wasn't, but here we go. <laughs> um I read yeah, all the left behind books. I read I don't know if you guys are familiar with Voice of the Martyrs, but that oh, was the, a the thing. DC
0: Talk thing, right? Wasn't that related to or
2: so It started before DC Talk and it was basically this like publication, I think it was a monthly publication, but then they came out with like these books that it was just basically this, like these like huge chronicles of stories of martyrs of the faith. And like they had books for kids and I like somehow like ate those up like candy, but I was terrified of them, but I read them because it was like, I think reading like a train wreck. And I just, like, couldn't not read it. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, okay, if children are dying for their faith, maybe I'm supposed to also be able to take a bullet for I absolutely
0: for had martyrdom fantasies.
2: <laughs> it's so wild. Yeah. like, And it makes me really sad thinking about it. But I'm like, that – also, why was I reading those? Why did my parents let me read those? Like, I don't know. But they were at our Christian bookstore, and they were mm-hmm. like, it's your money. You can – buy." and so I bought them. Like, that was
1: – that was did you time. have to live through the um she says she said yes narrative of columbine as well mm. yeah yeah and we were told that someone came with a gun to our sunday school and i'm like seven someone comes up to a gun and asks yep. if you're a christian you have to say yes because like yes. then you'll be a martyr and like you won't be denied in heaven because you didn't deny god it was like it's like i'm seven i have my whole life ahead of me but now i feel guilty
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and i'm supposed to be thinking about
2: what i would say if i was in a traumatic event or traumatic situation whether it was a church or school or the grocery store like i don't even know but it was like reading stories of these people from like third world countries too and it was like not the same scenario but like the she said yes thing was like oh like that brought it home a little bit more and it was Mm -hmm a little bit more like
0: and obviously that's that narrative has been debunked (laughs) now (laughs) right like oh
2: but like when you're a kid like there's no other like there did not have like social media and there's no way to like talk about any of this stuff it was like this is all normal right like this is
1: fine absolutely and I feel like something with especially with with columbine it was really like the first mass shooting and like what the heck do I know I was like five when it happened but it was like the first mass shooting where like there was that 24-hour like news cycle and it was mm, kind of yes. of the internet age and it I, I feel like it was kind of the start of like all of them getting so much coverage and everything like I feel like it's like I feel like it was like a almost like a marker in a way which I hate to say that because I don't want it to be a marker ideally it would have been a one and done like never happened again but we live in the United States and we love guns more than kids so oh so they much. Talk- but
0: like yeah they're like think of the children and they just don't care about all of these school shootings no
2: they don't actually mm-hmm. yeah there's and that's the thing it's like it's so strange to I can't remember do you guys remember what you're calling about know I, I could look it up
0: I, I don't think remember I it was 1999 if I recall so I was I think it actually it happened 10. I think I mean, yeah. yeah I guess was it 1999 and I do think it was April 20th my birthday <laughs> let's see
2: uh oh gosh
0: yep it was when I turned one year old that it happened so
2: dang wait that was 1999 Mm -hmm. so I was 11 yeah god that was yes fifth grade I remember we talked about it like yeah our teacher talked about it oh my gosh this is like bringing me back no I totally remember like our teacher being like well we need to start paying attention and it was like what does that even mean I don't did you I, go whatever. to
1: did you have like religious schooling or did you go to a public school?
2: I did go to a public school okay. um which actually helped the whole um church being traumatic kind of thing really? because school was like the safe place and mm-hmm. I went to a mm-hmm. um a gifted and talented school like a gate school mm-hmm. and the teachers were like so attuned to children and like I I look back now like as a therapist and I'm like those teachers like were ahead of the times like they figured out how to like be emotionally aware and like really like just narrow in on like how kids learned and like how um like just what kids needed and like what they didn't need and like they they didn't major on any minors like it was just kind of like oh you get to be kids you get to be creative like what do you want to do and it was like I can breathe I can like Be silly. I can be, you know, a creative person. I can do sports. I can do whatever I want because they have all these things for us to do. And so I think I very much dissociated outside of school because I loved school so much. And Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, I would just rather be at school right now. Like, because my teachers are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So school, they were a little bit more aware and like would talk about things that were happening in the world, even though they couldn't like be overtly you know right, anything right. but mm-hmm. it was I think the first time that I was like oh adults are just like can just be straight up with kids that's cool great mm-hmm. there's no lot la- there's like no bullshit here I cool.
0: didn't get to worry about like the end of the world or about hell or
2: <laughs> no it was great I mean in fairness I was trying to evangelize to my fellow oh, classmates honey. Yeah. in like too. second grade yeah. <laughs> but like oh. But it was still like, oh, that's nice. Like, good job, little Karen. Like, you, you did your best. But that's, I think, how everybody kind of saw us little evangelical white kids were just like, and like, there's an innocence, especially when you
1: are that young too. Like, there's, I think, a lot more innocence behind it. And as you kind of get more into the toxic theology, it becomes a lot more sinister. Yeah, yeah.
2: Which I think that was interesting because so I, okay, so 2000, I was in sixth grade going to seventh grade so I was oh my gosh now I'm like so I got a purity ring from my parents when I was seventh grade going to eighth grade um so purity culture trauma there's that Mm -hmm. um like yeah so wait what do we got we got martyr trauma we have purity trauma like we've got uh martyr trauma, rapture. Like it's just all of the things that were just always there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and because I lived, or we, so I live in Fresno, California Mm -hmm. and like born and raised, grown up here. Um, this is what is affectionately, I'm not sure called the Bible belts of California because it is so conservative Mm -hmm. and it's, it's like the Bible belts in the South. Um, and so it's just and it's still like that like it's just a it's very agricultural it's very um there's a lot of like blue collar jobs because so much ag here like it's that's just yay immigrants um and like I think a lot of people don't
1: realize like the more inland you go into California the more conservative it gets I think a lot of times like it's a liberal bestia which it is but like again the more (laughs) inland you go the more like conservative it gets. And especially like in the well, central Valley.
2: Well, it doesn't help that California is like the size of a country and could be like six States anyway. So <laughs> <This is true. laughs> it's so insane. Yeah. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we're just so separate, like mm-hmm. so many separate ideologies, but I think that's why I love California. I mean, we're yeah. crazy, but here we are. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, growing up in, like, the Central Valley has been very interesting, Um, but at the same time, like, because I've never technically left and I've just decided to stay here, Mm -hmm. um, it's been a very interesting, like, oh, yeah, some things have not changed and some things are decades later, like, very different, Um, but at the same time, all the, it's still in the water, you know, so the conservative evangelical stuff is all still here. Um, gotcha. Even if you mm-hmm. try to get away from it. But
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Anyway. Gotcha. I don't even remember where I was going with that. But uh,
1: I think we were I think we were layering all the traumas on top of each other. <laughs> I,
0: know. I, know. I guess Which, about That's... like I guess did you have like a youth group you went to? What was your experience of that?
2: Oh yeah. Um yeah, junior high, high school youth group. Um I liked youth group. It was fun. Um, I like, I. Feelings so are complicated. Chagrined. I get it. Yeah. It's <laughs> so like, they're, right. And then that's the thing about like this black and white narrative that you're given so early that you like try to, you don't stay, but you're, by default is like, gotta stay black and white. And it's like, no, like it was complex. There were multiple things that were true. So therefore there were multiple emotions that were felt like, about it. Yeah, so for me
0: had a lot of positive experiences and also some really really bad ones so a
2: hundred percent and it's
0: like loved like
2: loved our youth pastors like I had one pretty much like I had a couple I guess mm-hmm. but like and then I my when I was junior and senior year like was part of the high school youth group leadership team mm-hmm. and gotcha um you know as you know you got to not just be separate from the world you also have to be separate from the uh lesser christian
1: high school kids that are around yes (laughs) my at my church i went to an evangelical church um up until i was about 17 and i went to public school like in the latter half of my education and there was a divide between the homeschool slash private christian school kids Mm. and the public school kids was always like what's the public school perspective on sex before marriage I'm like I go to a suburban high school like it's still (laughs) kind of abstinence only but wear a condom but condoms don't work all the way sometimes like it's still the same thing and also it doesn't matter and it was it sucked because it was perpetuated by the parents and by like the adults in leadership like I don't think the students would necessarily cared
2: no now that you say that yeah I don't I don't think students cared that much
1: (laughs) yeah or if they did it's because someone told them they really had to care about it or like you know don't yeah what was it Mm -hmm. like unequally I I get that this is more of a marriage thing but like the unequally
0: yoked oh
2: same like
1: it right one thing
2: what do you call that proof texting where you make the text be whatever you want it to be like yeah it's it's the same they totally took that and ran with it in other areas so Mm -hmm. yeah makes total sense god Oh, this is like bringing me back. You guys. (laughs) That's what happens here. (laughs) I love it. I like, I don't know. I think it's really helpful to like think about it every once in a while to be like, wow, there really, there really was like really excellent stuff. And also like, what the fuck was that? Like in the same token, like it's just so wild. But we also, so every year, because we went to an EV free church, um, I like got so much pride out of this for so long, and now I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, no. I did that. <laughs> um, I went – so there was a – I don't know if other places did this, but there was a, a program. I don't remember how it got started, but it was called OGN, Operation Good News. And I started going the first – the summer between my eighth grade year and freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I continued going – through college and then was a leader and took other high school kids. And what it was, was we went down to San Diego for a week every summer. And it was always the week that overlapped 4th of July. So there was always like a zillion people in San Diego, like yeah. hanging out at the beach. We would spend probably four hours in the morning learning apologetics. And. Whoa, wait, four hours? <laughs> yep roughly we would like have different classes and like and it was Mm -hmm. it was fun they made it fun it was fun and then we would partner up with somebody that we didn't know usually from another church and usually somebody of the opposite sect because they had to make sure that that was a thing yeah um we would get five dollars for lunch and we would get into a bus and we would go to one of the like 12 or 14 beaches in San Diego and evangelize from for like four hours in the heat of the day at the beach where you we just wanted to swim and hang out at the beach. But like, no, we had to be there and tell people about Jesus. And then at night, we would come back to because we stayed at Point Loma. Mm. um, We would come back and we would do like a dinner and then like three hour long worship nights. Mm. And we did that for a week. And wow! When I was younger, I was like, "This is awesome! Like, this is just so great and exciting!" And like, I, I had a lot of fervor as a kid. Like, I yeah. just and I you're really told like did. you're
1: changing the world with like what you're doing, and like, hundred like this is like I'm on God's mission. Not everyone gets to do this, so there's like that excitement.
2: Yeah, and I think that what is it the passage about? Like, you know, the entering through the narrow door. Um, yeah like, I mean, that also has been taken out of context a zillion ways, but I, we, we heard that a lot. And I think it was like, well, you guys have the answer and like, how exciting that you guys have the answer. And the whole like Christian supremacy was just dripping in everything we did mm-hmm. because I mean, it we just was. The <laughs>
0: to every question, you know,
2: <laughs> literally, well, that was what we were. I was always like terrified because what is the verse? that says like, Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, and so it was like,
0: okay, you mean every situation? Have, though, you know, it's not like the right. it's not the answer for every situation. It's talking about like why do we have hope in Jesus? You know, like,
2: and that's but that's what it turned into, and yeah. it then turned into this like I don't know what you would call it, like evangelizing anxiety, because it was like the, you have uh, to have all the right answers all the, the time. Apologetics
0: so. industrial complex. <laughs> yes that is a hundred percent what it is
1: (laughs) yeah i remember being taught because especially growing up in a church and my private school that i went to as a kid there were very much heavy missionary environments it was always that thing of like what if god asks you who you brought with you when you die one day
0: which is terrifying (gasps) the guilt about my friends going to hell yes absolutely
1: (laughs) So like, especially like that. with younger people or people that have been raised in the church, I tend to have a lot more compassion when they're like, you're going to go to hell because it's like, that's all you've been taught. And it's mm-hmm. genuinely coming from a place of fear. Um, and a sense
0: of love, yeah. I would say, you know, because like if, if, if you really believe in hell, you should be screaming on the streets about it. Like,
2: <laughs> which is what we did. Like, yeah. that was the thing. It was like, we, if that's all you've been taught, which it was, i will literally do that like we would watch um what do you call uh oh my gosh those rob bell videos the Numa videos and there was one called bullhorn guy and it actually was pretty good and it was basically like don't be an asshole in telling people about jesus and it was like but we are though like we 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 are the bullhorn guy like we are the ones the bullhorn who are and the like bright, bright yellow signs <laughs> yes a hundred percent so it was like i i couldn't even even when i started deconstructing i was like i couldn't square those i was like well but it but like the bible says that, like this
0: is how you have to do this
1: yeah it's like go forth and make disciples of all the nations and that whole sort of thing
0: which is actually about being in relationship with people instead of just like sending them off after they pray a prayer (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm.
2: Instead, we were accosting people who were tanning and asleep on the beach. And we we're just like, do you have Jesus? And they're like, what? <laughs> like, and it just, and it like, again, you just felt like you, I felt like I was, what else would I be doing? Like, of course, this is what, this is what you should be doing. And the, the thing that I had to also reconcile that I'm learning, I'm still figuring this out, is that my... I like really judged my parents because they were not as like zealous as I
0: was. Same. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like and my, so, my spiritual formation was yeah. so much more from my youth group than from my parents, you know, like they definitely yes. like I, the influences were coming from my church and not my parents. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which. It's just wild that that's how it ends up happening.
2: I mean, it makes sense. Cause that's like who you're around the most. And. And you like love your friends and you like love hanging out together and you're like we're all, they're all like we're all gonna do this and you're like cool great and what we would end up doing too after this trip every year we would go like every sunday night afterwards like through, through the rest of the summer before school started we would like go to the, our local like mall basically and like go evangelize to people who are like going to the movies and stuff and it was like okay <laughs> yeah, I guess this is what we're doing. Like, this is our life. And then usually then it was like 6am prayer meetings once a week. And this was like in high school, like this is what we're doing in high school before everything. And I'm like, (laughs) after I've, I've worked with a lot of folks who are Mormons and I'm like, we were basically what doing what Mormons do, like having class once a week, like at 6am. And what are we doing? Yeah, We're not sleeping. That's what we're not doing. Like, (laughs) which we should be doing,
1: but Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yeah, I'm curious to know because so, you said at first those mission mission trips, for lack of better phrasing, to San Diego were awesome, especially like when you first started out. Like what was the shift? Um, like when did you start maybe feeling a little bit differently about them?
2: Far too late. <laughs> like it did took way too long to figure it out.
1: I mean, no um, such thing, but I get it. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh my god. I, so probably
2: was honestly after I graduated and I became like a high school leader um in in that time I also uh started dating a guy who is now my husband and we uh he was the youth pastor of another church and so like I, I oh god it got so convoluted um our youth, our, The churches knew each other, obviously, but our church went and their church didn't. And then I was like, well, since we're dating, like, do you guys want to come on this very cool church trip that we've done ever since I was basically a child? And he was like, sure, like, let's go. And so they all went and then we dated, obviously, for a while. Um, but the conversations we would have and like, th- their, that like his youth group kids were having, they were like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? <laughs> like, Cause they were not an like evangelical church and they just had a different demographic than we had. And I was like, oh, this is kind of, yeah, this is kind of dumb. And I've been doing this for more than 10 years and like, nothing's changed. It's all the same. Like why, wait, I think things are supposed to change a little, like, and it was, it wasn't even about God or anything. It was just like, wait, like, this isn't even how people like to talking about things like this isn't how people change their mind about anything like if they do it's a, in relationship with somebody and it's after a super long time and like why are we doing this cold contact shit like this mm-hmm. doesn't even work like why are we even doing this um so it was actually I think hanging out with other like kids from like another church who went yeah, on a like trip seeing and they're like through
1: different people's is...
2: <laughs> yeah it was and I look back now and I'm like it really was funny but I was like oh my I felt so dumb just like how how have I not seen this but it it needed to happen I think that was the only way it was going to happen
0: yeah. I so. Mean, we're so we're we're often so embedded in the indoctrination that we just like don't think about it we don't have a curiosity about other perspectives you know
1: yeah and then if you um, feel like an ick factor it's like oh that's the holy spirit convicting you or Satan tempting you. And like, hopefully you have the discernment to figure out which is which, um, but right. it's oh my god! because I remember sometimes I'd sit in church thinking, Oh, I should bring a friend with me to church. And then there would always be like a weirdly uncomfortable sermon. And I'd be like, maybe I shouldn't. Oh. <laughs> like that, uh, maybe I shouldn't. And, but then again, you feel bad. Cause it's like, no, I need to bring them to heaven with me someday. It's such a, it's so complicated. I don't know why we teach this to children. I
2: know. I know. It's, Uh, so many things
0: yeah Yeah. so i guess i'm curious how you went from like being so on fire for the lord to becoming a therapist helping folks deal with (laughs) trauma
2: who is not on fire for the lord (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i oh gosh i I really am envious sometimes of people who have like really cut and dry answers. Cause they're like, it was, it was, a, it's almost like having the opposite of a conversion experience. It's like, but having it go the other way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a, obviously like, it was a mix of a lot of things. So, um, things happened. A, so in high school I had a lot of friends. I went to a, a very like diverse school and like, one of the things I remember my mom telling me was over the course of time was that like Christians can't be Democrats or Democrats can't be Christians. And yeah. I had all these friends who were like came from their families were Democrat, whatever.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, that was like, it's so silly, but like in like junior high, I think I started to be like, Hmm, this is, that's interesting. Like I see people who seem like they are loving Jesus more, like who come from these so-called heathen satanic democrat families yeah and um and i would ask my parents about it and they're just like you just it this is the only way like this is this is the only way to be a christian and it's like okay i guess like i'll listen to you and then but my experience would always tell me otherwise so um i went i graduated i went to a local christian college um feelings about that um I got a bachelor's degree is in contemporary Christian ministry, which no one knows what that means. Uh, I don't know why, but my
1: brain went to like, you have like Chris Tomlin class every week where you just listen to Chris Tomlin. Because it was called
2: CCM.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's why
2: (laughs) your brain did that
0: correctly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I mean, was it trying it was... to, you know, teaching you how to be hip with the kids? That's what I was thinking.
2: <laughs> basically. So it was basically like if you were a woman in a, in the CCM program, you were like probably going to go into children's ministry because you couldn't be a pastor. But yeah, if you were like a man sure. in it, you probably were going to, you were going the route of some type of pastor. But so I like lauded myself to be like the fact that I was a woman in that program because there were only like three or four of us. And it was like, ha I'm better than every, but it was like, the closer I got to graduation, I was like, I'm not doing anything with this. Like, this is, (laughs) this is, this was dumb. Like I really, (laughs) I should have gotten a degree in art or something. Cause even, even if that's worthless too, like at least I would have been happy. Like it's just, you know, so, um, but there were classes that we took um, because I, and I've since talked to some of my professors from undergrad and they were like, yeah, like we knew all you kids were coming from these like super rigid churches and coming to this liberal arts college, and like we just—they were like, read some Brian McLaren, read some. <laughs> Who else do we read? Um, uh, like, like just not even direct things, but just like let's just be open. Like, just let's just be open about. You read what any we Rachel? Evans? It was like ah, uh, on my own. Yeah. Okay. And actually she, yeah, that was one of them too. That was one where it was like, you know, your shit. Oh crap. Like I <laughs> need to rethink a lot of things. Um, yeah. But so it was like, it was going to undergrad. I think like started, started it. And then I took a year off. Um, my senior, Oh God. Right after I graduated with my undergrad degree, I got married that fall And then I didn't work and didn't do anything for like a year Mm -hmm. and I was super depressed and like nothing, nothing matters like nothing because like my degree doesn't matter. Like what, what is going on? And meanwhile, my husband is a youth pastor and I'm just like, I'm hanging out with you doing youth stuff and all the while also befriending all the kids in youth group who like were, were othered by all the other kids in the youth Hmm. group. And all of them now are out and are queer. And I'm just like, (laughs) okay, well, this is, this is my life. Like this is what ended up happening was just like making relationships with people and just being like, I don't care who the fuck you are. Like do whatever you want. Like if Jesus is real, which currently no idea, but like, Just don't be an asshole, and people are being assholes to you. So, like, that's not okay. Like, can we just all be not assholes together? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how it all just, I think, ended up. And I was like, all right, I just need to not be around church things for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to figure out what to do, and um, I think it was been probably about a year, and several random people in my life had been like, "Have you thought about like being a therapist?" And I was like, "What is that?" I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. even though I did, I was like, I no clue what that even is. And so same school went to, they have a graduate program there and it's, they have like, you can get an MDiv and you can get, you know, different theological degrees, but connected to the seminary is also an MFT program. And I have no idea why the school even combines them. Cause they don't need to be, but I'm glad they did because it, I think I felt comfortable with all the theological classes. Cause I was like, Oh cool. Cause we had to take some of those mm-hmm. for like integration and stuff. But then I think I start. I, I genuinely don't know when I like officially started deconstructing, but it was like just so many things overlapped. And then when I got to grad school, I was like, okay, so our brains are like really important and like trauma okay. is a thing. And yeah. Oh no. I just like, I need to figure out everything. And I like had, I think I'm, I'm sure it was, I mean, a hundred percent, it was an existential crisis, but like, I then started going to therapy almost quit grad school. Cause I was like, can't do this. Like, this is just too much to take because I have to unravel a whole lifetime of like unhelpful thoughts mm-hmm. and trauma. And now it was like, wait, You're saying that there's, like, other ways to handle difficult things? What? Like, it was so mind-blowing. But I realized that there was, Um, yeah,
0: more to dealing with my mental health than just praying and reading the Bible. Wow.
1: Yeah. Because then what happens (laughs) if that doesn't work for you? Like, it's like, sure, like, prayer can only help. It stopped
0: working for me. Yeah.
1: Like, because then it's like, oh, I guess, like, I'll just, like, F off and die somewhere. Like, I don't know what to do if prayer doesn't work for me. Yep. Well, okay, and
2: I was listening to uh one of your old episodes about I think it was like the toxic mental health and pop toxic oh, yes. positivity Oh yeah, 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 And one of you mentioned um your hypothyroidism and I was like, "Oh my god, but how many women though like were diagnosed and that it didn't solve problems. It did not, but it solved a big one." And it it <sighs> I think who was who which one of you guys talked about it I can't
0: remember oh me I, t- I have hypothyroidism
2: yeah. hooray so do I and my my therapist was like um so I think you should go to your doctor and you should have them test you for this and I was like what is, what's a thyroid? like I genuinely was like I don't even know what a thyroid is like okay cool mm-hmm. went and they were like yeah yours is like not functioning like it's not it's not working and it and I just was like, turns
0: your whole like system upside down like you know even the stuff that doesn't directly affect somehow also gets fucked so
2: it was like yeah she was like yeah you're kind of like your emotions aren't like uh how did i forget how she said it but it was like she's like they're not like connecting with the with appropriately with the thing that's causing them like you're depressed about things that like aren't de- like aren't depressing and i was like what? And not, it wasn't in a bad way. Like I I see you thinking that it was like, (laughs) I, I think a lot of it was like dysthymia, like where it was just like, just kind of this low level, like dissatisfaction and just like, on like things just felt off all the time. And I was like, this is how people feel. Right. And she was like, no, it's not how people feel all the time. Like it's fine to feel that, but like not all the time. So then when I started medication, I was like, is this how people feel like, is this normal? Like I, this is wild. And like literally in college was the first time or in grad school was the first time I was like, like your body doesn't always hurt all the time because of anxiety. Like what that's, I like that in and of itself was just like mind blowing for me. And I, yeah. I went back to her and I was like, I don't need therapy. She's like, Oh yes, you do. Like, yes. Yeah. You do though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, but medicine. She's like, yeah, but for up until recently, you thought you shouldn't take medicine. So like you need to be in therapy. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Like, We'll continue this, I guess. Um, But it was so just like one thing after another just kept like, changing how I saw the world and just reformatting all the, the ways in which my brain had been formatted before and was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is actually much nicer mm-hmm. and much more real and much more. Um, I don't even know. Like it was weird to like be in situations that felt really bad, like physically or emotionally, but still feeling peace because it was like oh I'm not doing anything wrong I'm like just having a physical reaction to the world around me and my body is acting accordingly hey thank you so much like it can be so much much kinder to yourself
0: when you understand your body and your mind (laughs) wow yeah
2: so it was I mean it was so many things that had overlapped and then like yeah not seeing your body as like the devil basically you know um that also helped, but it was like, Oh, like learning how to actually listen to yourself. And so that was, I think the biggest thing in grad school. And also just learning about like just the different ways that people are and just Mm -hmm. that humans are not, no, nothing is one size fits all like ever. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and having this like weird realization that something, see, this is the weird part that I still am like, Hmm. I wonder about this because there was a time in grad school when I, I I forget which class I was in, but there was something where it was like, something in me. was like, you knew this a long time ago, Mm. but you didn't listen to it. Yeah. And like, and, and realizing it was like, when, when whoever is saying that is saying, you knew this a long time ago, meaning like when you were like under five, like you knew. Yeah from, like, an insanely early age that, like, shutting everything down was not, was not good and not healthy, not helpful. Yeah. And, like, but everything around you, because you were so inundated with the correct thing, there was no space to have any other voice other than that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
2: like, we need to figure out how to be self-compassionate yeah, and when,
0: when you said they like a party of yourself knew this for a long time I think about how like I think so much of the social anxiety that I felt in a youth group context like was my body tell my queer body telling me that I was not safe there you know like my body yeah. knew but I wasn't mm. I couldn't like interpret that I was just sort of like ah, I just need to like get over my social anxiety you know and then just like try to connect yeah. with people more there
2: oh I like, and I, and even I hear that and I'm like, like, I hate that you have that experience. And also I'm glad you had that experience. It's that like learning to sit in both of like, man, I hate that sometimes like the worst feelings are like the things that teach you the most or the the experiences that are awful and traumatic are like, well, but maybe something in me is telling me the truth and, and not that other people aren't but they don't know correctly like that there isn't really a correct thing
1: like, exactly. to be you're happening you're so here. conditioned to not listen to that part of
0: yourself mm-hmm. and then like
1: even from the quote-unquote biblical context yeah because so like oh like, the heart is we deceitful. can't listen
0: yeah we can't listen to our body we can't listen to our heart or mind either like all of those things are apparently deceitful oh. the only thing we can listen to is like god and the pastor and the bible Yeah. And and God's voice also sounds very
1: different for every single person as we have seen and witnessed. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah,
2: the, the whole, um, I forget what verse it is, but where it was like, I guess it is the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid feeling offended reading that for the first time it was like, but, but why? Like just, completely just having a physical reaction to that being like, I don't think that's true, but like having to believe that it's true because mm-hmm. that, what else are you going to believe? Um, and now like the work that I'm doing with people is just like, when, that I've been doing with myself, like in my own therapy, but also in just the work that I do too. It's just like, oh my God, like, so much of life is just not boxy, like it's yeah. just not. And mm-hmm. the boxes are usually what trips people up, and the like, walls are fake. Creates- <laughs> the walls are fake, and like the certainty is what is killing people, and like uh, the existential crisis, whatever I had, and you know, well. Own- also, yeah, I was college too. Other stuff happened there. But mm-hmm. like for sure I had su- suicidal ideation like yeah. in college and also in grad mm-hmm. school because I was like, if this is real, like I'm having to revamp everything yeah. that that I was taught and I am fully, it was so strange because I know that a lot of people, I, I mean, close friends, family members who've also shared similar like paths. They're like, there's so much resistance and it, and I understand that. Yeah. But it was so weird for me because I felt like I had this, like, oh, of course that's true. Like, of, of course. And it was so, I felt a little strange that it was so easy for me to accept a different way of thinking. Because that is, the opposite is all I had known. But it was like, I really don't, like, it almost killed me. Like, yeah. so I can't, I can't think that that taken to its nth degree is healthy for people like I just can't
1: and it honestly kind of makes me think of like where it's like kind of like your body and mind had kind of been resisting the thoughts that you have now in a way and then when you were able to accept them they just kind of came to like realizing that god forbid being gay isn't a sin like I had to especially as like my own worldview started to open and I started to meet more people I had to It was getting a lot harder to convince myself of that, where it was like, it's a sin or like, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's not a sin, but like you shouldn't act on it or like trying to almost kind of justify what I had been taught. And then like, once I was able to kind of let go of that, it was like, oh, yeah. No, it's not.
0: Yeah. That's stupid. I mean, for me, yeah, it was only <laughs> after I theologically like became affirming that I was a- able to even remember the fact that I had had crushes on girls because it was just so like completely repressed deep inside me. Um, mm. And then I, and then of course when they that started happening oh. again, I was like, oh, I had a crush on a ton of girls. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs>
2: oh, um, like that's so beautiful. And also, it's it's like I actually my therapist told me recently. I need to like totally look into this more because I don't know hardly anything about it. But there's a thing right now. It's um, something I think it's called heart math. I don't know if that's oh, even correct, huh. but it's this. It's something where there there's people doing research about it where they're connecting literally like you know sensors to people's like brainwaves, huh. their like stuff that's going on in their heart, and then stuff that's going on like in their like digestive system and oh. like the way that everything is functioning. And I forget what kind of tests that they're putting people through, but it's like things that make you feel shame, things that make you feel guilt, things that make you feel love, things that make you feel like, uh, like not just emotions, but just like, um, like attitudes that like can make you feel a lot of different things. And they're finding ironically that when people are in a state of, um, there's three things. It's like love. I don't know the second one and or acceptance like one of those three at least all of your systems work correctly uh, together
0: uh, and I was like
2: yeah what it, like okay it's also just science as well like so science is finally catching up to like yeah what we've all learned is like no our bodies are are accurate and and know what they want like uh, uh-huh. there is nothing wrong with what our bodies want and like there's a thing recently too where one of my i don't remember who it was but they were talking about like of the two things that can lie like your body or your mind which one can lie to you your mind yeah like your mind is the thing that lies yeah your body does not lie your body cannot lie and we do not believe our bodies most of the time because of how we've been conditioned so when people like decide like learn about or like have this like realization of like Oh, I've always liked girls. Like I've always had crushes on girls. Like your body was never lying. Like your mm-hmm. it was our minds that were just like, uh, yeah, we can't, we just can't do that yet. Like, yeah. and they're just so out of sync mm-hmm. and Oh, just, it breaks my heart to like, we've all had situations like that, you know, where we're just, there's so much disconnecting happening where we we're just not aligned like with yeah. ourselves, forget other people. Like we're just not even
1: aligned with ourselves. Yeah. And it makes sense or, even looking yeah. at like the physical manifestations of things like anxiety and depression. Like it, it makes perfect sense. Like, it's like, you know, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling a little depressed. But I'm okay. Like, wait, why am I sleeping 14 hours a day? Like that's not healthy. And then it's just having to kind of figure that out. So it makes perfect sense as to how those systems would all kind of need to work together. Yeah
0: yeah i think it's, of. have you read um the book undivided by vicky beeching i
1: know but i
2: i know the book so she
0: she gets Undiv- i mean from like repressing her sexuality she gets this condition that i i forget the exact word for it but basically like her skin was converting itself into scar tissue and like she thinks she she believes that it connects to the fact that she had repressed her sexuality so much um that like it started manifesting physically um and then because of the experience she had after coming out of all the harassment she faced she ended up uh, getting like a chronic fatigue disorder um and so that's just yeah and she now has talked about you know living with disability and that sort of thing
2: um I'm divided yeah it's been a while but I yeah I'm going to check that out. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's like, that's like, the, that's the if thing. people don't think that like repressing your sexuality leads to real consequences, I'm like, read that book. Okay. Like, mm-hmm.
2: well, and the amount of people who are socialized as women in the church and how many of them have autoimmune disorders is astronomical. My God. I also yeah.
0: think about that. I did get diagnosed with thyroid disease after being an evangelical for, I guess, a little over a year. Um, but then again like there's also a genetic factor my mom actually got diagnosed a little bit after me so you know there's like nature nurture both of those are working yeah a combination of things
2: know. man yeah i there's just so many things that i'm like gosh the more we can like honestly see most things as a spectrum like even stuff like anxiety and depression like which everyone technically has or has the propensity to be anxiety, having anxiety or depression, like everything can be seen as a spectrum. And mm-hmm. like just the box, I don't know why I just keep thinking about this because it's been a lot recently, but like like boxes just don't work. Like they boxes do help when we like need to like get shit done and like, you know, Absolutely. accomplish tasks and things like that. But like when it comes to just like letting things be what they are in our life like our bodies and our you know
1: Mm -hmm. who we
2: love and what we eat and like just the way in which we live life it's like no boxes don't work there like you know if it helps you stay safe it helps you stay like sane okay like but that's not for everybody like not everybody needs to live exactly in these little tight shit boxes so yeah it's wild
1: absolutely (laughs) And I'm curious to know as well, as we have about maybe 10 minutes left, I, I yeah. realize this might be like a question where it's like, wait, there's more. Okay. Um, what, um, Reclaim Therapy, what, um, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously, like, I, I imagine your experiences inspired you to kind of start working with this and everything, but what yeah, has How did experience? it start? How did yeah. Reclaim start? Yeah, so um, I am one of the
2: co-founders of the Reclaim Therapy Collective. In Fresno, and we just um, passed one year of being an entity, (laughs) which is so exciting. Um, We're literally pinching ourselves and just like, this isn't real, is it? Oh, it's real. Okay. Uh, We have no idea what we're doing. Okay, great. Let's just keep going. Um, So (laughs) I was going to say everything started in 2020, but no. Um, 2016, I a lot of therapists so i i graduated my um ma in 2015 2016 was when a lot of things happened politically Mm -hmm. and uh around that time and a little after was when a lot of specifically specifically people in the mental health field were like people are not okay obviously but like specific like it was like a collective unconscious like Things are going on, and like way more people are who are paying attention are just like not okay with themselves because of like yeah. things that are going on. Um, and just so many things are being triggered. Like, certain people are now unsafe in homes, like that were that maybe used to be. Um, I mean, maybe not really actually safe, but here we are. Um, and so therapists in general were just kind of like, something's happening. Like, and obviously we're aware of it. Like we know what's going on in the world, but also just like something is happening in people's subconscious subconsciousnesses and psyches Yeah. that like maybe ha- in just a new way that like hasn't maybe been seen in this way before. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward to beginning of 20, maybe end of 2019, beginning of 2020 and like the historical the the climate.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Well, and but the political climate was still uh hairy, oh of course, of it. course Mhm. um and and i I think it was kind of this mix of like seeing an influx of clients who were just like, we are not mentally or emotionally safe, like in the places where we have usually been safe
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, plus. Then COVID happened, like, yeah. this that weird, was, like, overlap. Like a massive surge
0: of, like, mental health issues because, like, I oh. mean, I know for, like, Anna, that's when you started really reconsidering, like, faith and such, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because then all of a sudden, I had a bunch of time on my hands to do these things. <laughs>
2: You're like, oh, look at all this time to investigate all the things that are happening. All right, well, here we are. <laughs> Uh, so I started having conversations with my friend, Naomi, who is also a therapist. Um, and I had also worked with my friend Brie. Like we just, we've all known each other since grad school. We all had different jobs. Um, all of us were part of church leadership in some capacity. Um, the two of them were worship leaders, um, at different points. Um, and therapists were just kind of, you know, stuff you put on like your Instagram stories and we were all kind of just like paying it like more attention to like what people are posting and stuff. And we're just like, Hmm, we need to maybe have conversations in person if it's like appropriate. And so end of 2019, beginning of 2020, Naomi and I were like, I think we're going to do something like, I don't know what, but like, we're going to do something that just needs to be explicitly. Literally, this is like the most vague we could be, but it was like, It's going to be something having to deal with, with religious drama. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's a thing because no one's doing it. Yeah. Except everyone's doing it and no one's saying that they're doing it. And so we're like, what if we just said that we were doing it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So then COVID happens and then we're all kind of unhappy with where we were. And I in, oh my God. Yeah. Summer 2020. Huh. I got pregnant um, and then I decided to do private practice at like the same time. And I was like, cool, oh two babies. What? What is happening? Like I don't, n- neither technically was planned. So it was like, oh no, what's going on? Yeah, Here we go. Um, so continuation of COVID happened, 20, middle of 2020 to like beginning of 2021. Naomi, Brie, and I are talking and we're just like, technically off, like we don't need offices. Like the pandemic is teaching us that therapists don't need offices. However, what if this thing is over at some point, who the hell knows when, mm-hmm. but like people who are feeling this like religious dysphoria, like maybe they want to meet somewhere. I don't know, not like a church, but just like in a, a group setting kind of yeah. thing. And we'd all done like group therapy sessions and things like that with with clients. And so we were like, and I really miss it. Like I missed it so much. Um, And Naomi and I like had looked at a couple different places around town and we were just like, we're stupid. This is stupid, right? Like we should, we don't need to have an office. And then truly randomly um, Naomi found where we currently have an office. It's in the one, one (laughs) area of Fresno that is like, lgbt friendly and where there's there is it's the one area of town where there's like so i forget because fresno has like over five or six hundred churches like it's insane Mm -hmm. and it's the one little pocket where there is one church but it's um totally affirming and it's like one of of three in town and it's amazing um it's in the middle of a neighborhood it's not in like a row of churches like all the other therapy offices in town are, like they're just
0: mm.
2: mixed with all these other churches. Um, and it's like in this old historical part of Fresno, and we're, it's a place that we've all like wanted to either work or live. And we were just like, there's no way we're gonna get this space, like it's too perfect. Yeah, and then it happened. And we, yes. so May of last year was when we moved into the space. And basically we're just like, look, I don't think we're doing anything that other therapists aren't doing other than just calling out the fact that this is who we're working with. Yeah. And turns out people need it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we like, and we've now added two more, um, two more licensed clinicians, Gretchen and Savannah. And we're like over the moon, like all five of us working Mm -hmm. together and we're like looking for more, Clinicians as well to like, and we're even expanding. Like the office next door moved out, and so we're like,
0: "That's it's, awesome!" It's if you have so, a if you have a like yeah. a job opening description. Um, I uh, my seminary is the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, so I know lots Perfect. of people who yeah want our therapists.
2: Thank so. you. I will, I will send it your way. I 100 well. Um, yeah. So it's just been like this very weird. We thought we were we got really scared too at first we were like we're gonna get all this pushback we're just gonna like it this is gonna be a scary thing because of just like how inundated this area is um with religious fervor um Mm -hmm. and so far it's been like pretty good like there hasn't been as much pushback as we thought there was gonna be knock on whatever whatever comes comes but it was just like no no one is saying this but like everybody is aware that like religion as soup can be very helpful. Spirituality, very helpful. But when it's not done well, it can be very harmful. Yes, And we've, can we just say that? Like, is that an okay thing to say? I get, we're just going to say it. And people are like, yes, uh-huh. Me. Yep. I've experienced that. And it's like, okay. So like most people have experienced that in some way. Um, but no one at least here is like saying anything about it and yeah. so it's just like are we nuts are we nuts for just doing for calling out the thing and people are just like oh it's, it's necessary. so weird work. it's so wonderful yeah. and I'm like yeah. we know that but why is no one else
1: saying this like well, put it this way I just it's wrote just- like a two-page thing about like how we recognize like how can we recognize religious trauma in children and adult and specifically more adolescents and it was like oh find two scholarly articles i found two scholarly articles and one of them even said there is not a whole lot of research on this topic that's it's me when dis- i'm
0: researching a- autism in the church and autism in christianity <laughs> oh my god it's a nightmare and it was like, yes. it's like a lot of it's anecdotal there are books and podcasts
1: a-o and like documentaries and theologians out there that are talking Mm -hmm. about this, but none of it's academically published yet. Mm -hmm. Like, and it needs to be. Yeah. We can be the ones to publish it. (laughs) Yes.
2: I mean, in theory, everybody who's been published or anything that's been published has been published for the first time somewhere. So Mm -hmm. exactly. You just got to start somewhere, I guess. Mm Hmm. (sighs) Even though it can be a little nerve wracking, but yeah, I I don't even know because it feels like like the um, we were actually the other thing I forgot about is that Naomi and I um, totally separately. But um, do you guys know about the um, the Reclamation Collective in
0: yes, yes,
2: Minnesota? I think
0: yeah, yeah, I follow them on Instagram.
2: They're excellent. And like they too, was it in fall of 2020 had a virtual workshop where it was like clinicians who are interested in working with religious trauma. And there was like maybe 20 or 30 clinicians from the U S Canada, I think Mexico. And like, I forget there's another place. And Naomi and I were in the same thing without knowing that we were both going to be in it. We were like, oh okay so we're already thinking that we're doing this like Mm -hmm. this is this is a thing that's happening um but it was also a thing talked about where it was like cool if you're going to do this work and you're going to like talk about it there's not a lot out there that's going to like back things up because everything at this point is anecdotal and then at some point there's going to be a point where everyone takes the anecdotes and then puts it somewhere Mm -hmm. i don't know how but this is this is the work that's probably going to be cut out for us in the next 10 years or so Absolutely. i'm sure of it <sighs>
1: yeah it's exciting it's, <laughs> it's exciting but it's so necessary mm-hmm. um yeah especially I like, think we're I'm, not a, we're we're a christian country but we're kind of a very much slowly becoming a theocracy so it's mm-hmm. i think this sort of stuff is very very important
0: we need to fight back against the th- christian fascists yes
2: i just yeah i i there's just so much that like when people just say things like that i'm like oh yeah i remember this one time when i was like six and this thing happened at sunday school and i'm like oh that happened like that was traumatic and it's like we all just have this as like part of our at least for me like in my rhetoric of like Yeah. yeah this is just how life was and this is how because of and folks like james dobson and focus on the family and all these these other things that like Swelled in the '90s, like '80s and '90s, and oh my gosh, and like Satanic Panic, like all of these things that happened, that were just like, okay, you're not helping things. Like this is actually making people. I never want to say like worse, like because I I hate like hyperbole, but like, it's you're it's it's not helpful. Like none of this is helpful, and it's actually harming a lot of people. But because you see it as a black and white issue, you're not going to look at how it's harming people. And so I don't know, like, I don't know how to have a conversation with folks like that.
1: Yeah. And
2: absolutely. like, even still, I'm just like, I, I already don't feel like I'm like super eloquent about certain things. So, but when people are like, let's talk about how like Christianity is perfect. I'm like, no, like just everything in my body is like, just get out, just get out of there. Like, you don't need to talk about it like no. because you don't need to. And leave it to people who want to talk about it. You just know that people are hurt. So like, go hang out with people who are hurt by yeah. it. I also feel that's like if what you have to right say now. that
1: your thing is perfect, it probably isn't. It's like that overcompensation. Oh, know. It's like when guys say I'm a nice guy. It's like you're probably not. <laughs> Um, you don't
2: so you don't need to tell people that. exactly
0: we have the free version of zencaster so we're running out of time um yeah 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 but, um so what's your social media what sort of other things do you want to shout out at the end here
1: yeah how can uh, how yeah. can people best support um your work and what you do
2: oh my gosh you guys are so kind okay so we are um i'm trying to look up what our handle is right now because they're all so long Um, our handle is the reclaim therapy collective on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're not doing anything other than that. Um, I'm personally on Instagram. Uh, my, my professional one is Karen Huckabee LMFT, but I haven't been on that in a very long time. Um, but if you also just go to, um, the reclaim therapy collective.com, you can see like all the stuff we're doing. We're doing like embodied yoga once a month. We're doing like Naomi does paint all the feelings, um, mm-hmm. these workshops every month where we just help people paint their feelings. It's just oh, it's so lovely. Cool. I remember doing um, that at
1: the at the key worship weekend. That was freaking awesome.
2: <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. I know. So we're doing we're just doing a lot of fun things and we're trying to figure out how to like partner with local, um like we're we're partnered with a local P Flag group and like oh. we're trying to figure out stuff to do for Pride and like yeah. I don't know. We're just trying to figure out how to like be there for people if they need it and and if you don't need us you don't need us it's kind of that like take it or leave it we're Absolutely. happy with that um so we're just like excited to try new shit and like be women who are like trying to not do hierarchies in business because that shit's annoying yes yeah. st- stupid
0: non-hierarchical
1: so. leadership <laughs> oh, that's yep. awesome well thank you so so much yeah. for being on um and yeah. Um, thank you for being here. And we can't wait to see what Reclaim Therapy continues to do in the future.
2: Thanks, guys. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for reclaiming all the things. Yes.
0: <laughs> hey, let's do High of the Week.
1: So my High of the Week hasn't... Ha- okay, by the time this episode comes out, I will be... In New York, I will yes. have walked and gotten my uh, fake diploma because mm-hmm. I'm technically I'm not done done till August. But I will be in New York City with my partner, so that hasn't happened yet. I assume that's going to be a highlight by the time this episode comes out. Right now, I am just getting my ass. Your grad cap pat- <laughs> looks amazing. Homework. Thank you. I will post a photo on our story, but it's lavender. It has the the gay pride flag. It has the trans pride flag. They're little lavender... On there and all then I the also gay put, imagery packed into one. I yes, and it. then I also put Imago Day in like holographic oh, letters on there too. Yes, so it turned out really well. But yeah, that's going to be my highlight of the week.
0: Nice. Um, trying to think of what mine should be. Just because, like, um, for my uh, theology program, we have to do um an apprenticeship of like sixty to eighty hours, and one of my classes this term is sort of like setting that up. Um, and so I can't say anything too much because it's not like official yet but looks like very promising that i'll be able to get to do some cool work for an lgbtq religious organization so yes see, hopefully so the exciting. next tie of the week i can actually say what that organization is but absolutely it's so
1: exciting look at us look at us go <laughs>
0: i know we're actually doing like our dreams wow it's amazing yeah
1: I- <laughs> Yeah. And we're both surviving. We're both surviving school for sure.
0: And um next month, you'll get an episode from us about uh, at the beginning of June, uh about LGBTQ religious figures in history.
1: So Yeah. This is going to be a fun episode to research um cuz I don't think this stuff is talked about nearly enough, but we are excited to dive into this topic especially in honor of Pride month.
0: Yeah. On to the plug
1: thank you so much for tuning into this episode of reclaiming the garden you can follow us on instagram youtube and facebook at reclaiming the garden or on twitter at rt garden podcast be sure to check out our patreon for exclusive episodes and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts mugs and other fun merchandise if you are able to please be sure to rate and review on apple podcasts and spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm but we are grateful that you are here and listening so if that's all you can do We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.